So this reading is Luke chapter 5, and it's verses 27 to 30. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You got the full passage there. I think God just wanted us to hear it all, so we will not begrudge it. Um, If I could have my PowerPoint, please, that would be amazing. So as Patrick has said, we are in our second week of this series, The Story, going through the book of Luke and then into the book of Acts. And I want to start with a question to you all. How many followers do you have? I know there are a few up-and-coming Twitch streamers and YouTubers amongst us. I'm not going to out you, but I know you're there. Um, And the title that I was given this evening, as Patrick mentioned, was Follow. That's a pretty normal thing for us these days, isn't it? We live in a world where we follow people and we are followed by others. We spoke at the beginning of the service, didn't we, about following different people, even struggling football teams. Sorry, Richard. (laughs) Celebrities can have huge followings, can't they? We become avid spectators of their lives, their relationships, their lifestyle, their fashion choices. We want to know all about them and even be like them. Now, I know not everyone here might have social media, But I reckon media of some form is part of everyone's life here, whether that's Twitter, TikTok, a radio show that you always listen to, a columnist who you absolutely love, maybe it's Instagram, or like we said, a football team. We follow, don't we? Now, I wonder how many of you follow someone who you don't agree with or don't particularly like. Do you want to know mine? this guy, Jeremy Vine. Now, I don't particularly like Jeremy Vine's views, but I or agree with him, but I listen to him. Now, if for those of you who don't know who Jeremy Vine is, he has a radio show, he's on Radio 2, and he has a show where he talks all about controversial news topics. Can I get a feel for how many people know who this guy is? Oh, okay, okay, so, okay, you're with me, Um, a lot of you anyway, and hopefully the rest of you have managed to keep up with who we might be. So, if I'm in the car, and it's around lunchtime, I know that I'm going to put on the Vine show and hear what mountain out of a molehill Mr. Vine is making next. This kind of following is not particularly life-changing, is it? It doesn't really affect my life in any significant way. 
I can follow the Vine show and it not affect how I live my life at all, in fact. But being a true follower of someone is quite different, isn't it? It means fully devoting yourself to their cause, living by their example, and even doing what they tell you. Millions, for example, followed Hitler and Stalin, and still today, millions follow evil dictators, terrorists, and gang leaders. Have you ever found yourself unsure who to follow? Who to let shape your opinions and your choices? I think many people today are unsure who to follow in the true wholehearted sense of the word. Jesus said many times, follow me. A call to follow. But who is this person, Jesus, and what does he stand for? What does he say of the world? What's his vision? Well, in the passage that I read just a moment ago, we're at the start of Jesus' three-year ministry. And in the previous chapter, Luke has recorded a famous sermon that Jesus preached in his hometown of Nazareth. And it's all about his vision for the world. And it's all about him. Now, that would be a bit boastful, wouldn't it, if he wasn't the son of God. But since he is, Jesus tells us about how he has come to fulfill the plans and the purposes of God. To proclaim good news to the poor. Freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. Set the oppressed free and usher in the age of God's favor. Jesus has the power to transform the world in which we live. And at the heart of that is a spiritual transformation. Hearts and minds liberated and renewed. And Jesus has started to demonstrate the fulfillment of this vision, hasn't he? He heals people with various diseases. He frees people from demonic oppression and he transforms hearts and minds as he forgives people of their sin. Sin is our lives lived in rebellion against God. And it's as much an attitude as it is an action. And in these few verses from chapter 5, we're going to see how Jesus continues to spread the word about who he is and invites sinners to follow him. We're going to see it, as we did, in the, in, in the life of a man called Levi. Now, Levi, um, who turns out to be named later Matthew, becomes a full-on, fully-fledged, 12, one of the 12 disciple of Jesus. And some say he was the Matthew who wrote the account of Jesus' life in Matthew's gospel. And this little incident is a picture of what um, this call to follow looks like for Levi. And I'm going to talk about two things. It means leave everything and invite everyone. Let me pray. Lord, may the words that I speak tonight and the thoughts in mine and all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Holy Spirit, 
come and be amongst us. Amen. So Jesus calls us to follow him. And of all the people who have ever lived, we talked about how many followers we had a moment ago, Jesus has the most followers, okay? Over 2.4 billion people in the world today profess to follow Jesus. But it got me thinking, it got me wondering, do we ever follow Jesus how I follow Jeremy Vine? I keep up to date with what he's saying. Maybe that looks like coming to church. But I won't let what he says change my behavior or shape my attitude or affect my priorities. And I definitely won't put myself out on the line in order to keep following him because I wouldn't do that for the Vine Show. If after this sermon, a lot of you come to me and you tell me that you're really offended that I listen to Jeremy Vine or keep up to date with Molly May or just want to know what Jordan Peterson has said recently, because I find these people interesting, I don't live my life by their philosophy. Would I continue to publicly follow these people? Absolutely not. And I definitely wouldn't mention it in another sermon. I'm not committed to giving them authority in my life. I won't put myself on the line for them. And I wonder if we ever follow Jesus like that on the surface. Leave everything. Let's look at verse 27 together. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. I think this is like when someone says, stop what you're doing, you've got to come and see this. Now, my six-year-old said this to me just yesterday. He was out in the garden, and his little urgent voice shouted, Mum, you've got to come right now. And he even added, I mean it. I think he might have got that from me. Um, but when I got there, I saw that he was pointing avid, uh, intensely at an ant carrying a leaf. It was amazing. <laughs> he really wanted me to see that. And Jesus says something similar here, but way more permanent and much more urgent. When Jesus gives this tax collector called Levi the call to follow him, He doesn't mean that he should add him to his Twitter or Insta account, does he? When Jesus talks about following, he means give your whole life over to me. Make me your first in your life in everything. Become my disciple. Learn and listen to me. And that's why Levi demonstrates his willingness to follow Jesus in verse 28 by getting up, leaving everything and literally following Jesus. And this had big implications for Levi. So Levi would have been a rich guy. He would, have, he would have had quite a bit of money. As a tax collector, he was responsible for charging people for goods and services, and he would have added a few charges on top of that. So he would have been a very wealthy guy. But actually, this would have made him really unpopular with people. He would have been considered a liar, He would have been considered a thief and a traitor for working with the Romans. But he'd still chosen to do it. 
and to have all that wealth. And yet when Jesus calls him to follow him, he hears the call and he gives it all up. He turns his back on all of his wealth. Everything is about Jesus now. Now, leading up to this, Levi would have heard Jesus teach. He was in the area, like I mentioned, that sermon that was spoken just in the pre- that, that Luke recorded just in the previous chapter. Levi would have witnessed Jesus' ministry. And now, when Jesus calls him to, to follow, he's all in. All that was opposed to Jesus, his will and his ways, he turns his back on it and he follows. He counts the cost and he chooses to follow. And I think this is an example for all of us. Rick Warren, don't know if you know him, you probably do, some of you might. He's a pastor and an author. And I've heard him speak about what he calls the Titanic mistake. And I'd love to tell you about it. When the Titanic set sail in 1912, it was declared unsinkable because it was constructed using this new technology. That meant that the ship's hull was divided into 16 watertight compartments. And up to four of these could get damaged or even flooded, and the ship would still float. But tragically, The Titanic sank on the 15th of April, 1912, at 2.20 a.m., and 1,513 people lost their lives. And at the time, it was thought that it must have been five of these watertight compartments that had been ruptured in the collision with the iceberg. But in 1985, over 70 years later, When the Titanic, the wreck of the Titanic was found lying upright on the ocean floor, there was no sign of a long hole previously thought to have been ripped into the ship's hull. What they discovered was that damage to one compartment had affected all of the rest. One compartment on this colossal ship was affected and it compromised everything. The ship was lying upright on the ocean floor. I wonder what compartments we have in our lives. If we were to consider our lives as a whole, what areas do we have? What Rick Warren calls the titanic mistake is to think that when we divide our lives into different compartments, what we do in one won't affect the rest. So I could make ethical choices with my finances, for example. I could give my income to the church in my tithe. I could be generous with what I've been given by God to those around me. But if I'm also, when, I'm, when my emotions overtake me, for example, if I then lash out to those around me in hurtful ways and don't consider it something that I might need to work on in myself or even apologize for, I'm making a titanic mistake. One area of our lives affects it all. If you're feeling a nudge about a particular area in your life, I encourage you to hold on to it and to listen to it. Don't make the titanic mistake of thinking that one won't affect the rest. 
Levi's story gives us a picture for everyone who wants to follow Jesus. Leave everything. That means submit everything. So does that mean that we must give up our jobs, leave our homes to follow Jesus? I nearly said no when I wrote this, but I've decided to say not necessarily, because I think mission work is a particular calling. And if that's something that you're wondering about, I don't want to put you off by saying it's never a thing. But on the whole, leave everything is a condition of submission in our hearts. Our desires, our priorities, our wills submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we'll see our attitude to all of life, how we work, our homes, change. It's that transformation that I spoke about at the beginning that Jesus started doing and has been doing throughout history in the world ever since. The transforming love that we talk about in our church's purpose statement. Because Levi clearly didn't get rid of everything, did he? In the very next moment, we see him going and hosting a big banquet at his house. So he still had a house. It will look different for each one of us. And the Holy Spirit will convict our hearts because he's at work amongst us. Jesus calls us to follow him. Leave everything. Next, Jesus calls us to follow him. Invite everyone. I wonder when the last time you, when was the last time you sent out a party invitation? There are loads of occasions why we might choose to have a celebration. I wonder what a reason to have a party might be. Can anyone give me an example? If you shout it out, I'll repeat it back. Why might we have a party? A birthday, absolutely. Mm. Some people might have a party when Farnborough wins. Anything else? Yeah, New Year's parties. What about anniversaries? I know some people might be having a party when exams are over. Maybe a retirement. Maybe successful visa applications. Any excuse. If it's something that brings us joy and we want to celebrate it, gathering those that we love around us is something that we do naturally, isn't it? And what's really striking here is that that's precisely what Levi does in response to Jesus' call on his life, isn't it? If you look at verse 29 with me, it says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. When, we follow, when we're called to follow Jesus, we will experience joy. It is the best thing that will ever happen to us. And here's why. We're made brand new. The God we hated is now our heavenly father. The conscience that troubled us is now at peace. Jesus is our savior and our Lord. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, transforming us. The future that concerned us is now secure. And death is no longer to be feared. If you have not yet responded to the call of Jesus, I urge you not to wait. 
Levi's life and his response testifies to this joy, doesn't it? He held a great banquet for Jesus. And I wonder if that doesn't convict and challenge us this evening. What is it that we most celebrate? What brings, us most, what brings a smile to our faces? What do we find ourselves rejoicing and delighting in? The way we answer that will be an indication of what our hearts most desire, what's most important in our lives. And when we're with other people, what do we talk to them about? I think that's particularly convicting. Because that huge banquet that Levi holds for for Jesus, it's not a one-on-one quiet time. It's not a gathering of others that Jesus has called to follow him. It's exactly the opposite. Levi opens his home. He invites everyone, tax collectors and others. It's a display of lavish hospitality. Levi wants to share his joy, share his life, share his Lord with those around him. So Levi's example to us all is to bring Jesus right into the heart of the life that we're living. All of his mates were there, and and Levi invited Jesus to be the guest of honor. We can't follow Jesus how I follow Jeremy Vine. Because I love to disagree with him, or because when I engage with him, no one else is listening, and it doesn't affect their opinion of me and won't change how I live my life. So Jesus calls us to follow him wholeheartedly, all our compartments. Let's not make the Titanic mistake of thinking that what we do in one area won't affect the rest. Whether we've been following Jesus for a long time or a little time, the call is the same. And Levi's example to us is to leave everything and invite everyone.